0: Welcome to the Access Church podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right, good morning, Access Church and everyone else across the universe that's watching. We're glad that you're with us. Uh, You might be like, Brian, where are you? We are on the covestead. The Cobley House, yes, we have a live crowd here. They're off camera, none of them wanna be seen, but. So we're out in the boonies a little bit, as boonies as you can get. Uh, Wine country, South Temecula. And so there might be live animals you'll see walk by, hopefully none attack me. Uh, Yeah, and so there might, might be, we have kids out here, people. Here's Andrew, this is his place. Give him a hand, go ahead. No, at home, give him a hand. Thank you, live crowd. Thank you, live crowd. So we pay them a lot of money to make sure that they liven up the service. Uh, So you might hear kids, animals, but um, we wanted to begin to get just small groups of people that want to uh, begin to get together. And uh, so we'll be hanging out today and then probably getting some food uh, afterwards. So uh, we hope that you're having a great morning already and that you're ready to go and that the rest of your day is good. Hey, before we get into the service today, we're going to continue our series uh, on Born to Lose, Live to Win. We're going to have worship. I've already heard them practice. Beautiful songs just to be able to kind of just absorb and uh, encourage you today. But I want to highlight a few things going on, making sure we're on the same page as a church. As I said last week, uh, we're stoked as far as we have a home. For a while there, we didn't. Now we just got to figure out when to use it. But we are moving from North Midlife to French Valley at Lisa J. Mayles School. And so we have a good relationship already. I've been talking to the school district and uh, it's already very encouraging and so uh, it's a great place for us to be and it still keeps it central for a lot of our families. That are, I mean, we, we have people from South Temecula all the way up, way up there into to Hemet and uh, all those other Romo Land, San Jacinto, all that area up there. And, so, uh, and then over to Wildomar too. So we're still in a good location and uh, we'll give you more updates as far as getting into the school and talking about that. Speaking of that, one of the things we wanna do is we wanna begin to have a discussion. Some of these discussions will be in person, some will be online, but it's with our Access VIP. Now VIP doesn't stand for very important person. I know you're important, but that's not what this means. It means very invested people. If you've grown up in church, it's like church membership, but we just don't wanna have members. So Access VIP, if you haven't signed up, you can go to our website, but to participate, these are gonna be small groups of people that they have skin in the game. They give, they serve, they pray, They're involved. That's what it means to be VIP. And we want to begin to have a discussion about what it means to transition, get ideas, get feedback. Uh, We believe that God's not just going to speak to us, uh, but he's going to speak, or just some of us in leadership, but he's going to speak to all of us. So uh, we're going to be getting together in small groups in August. And again, uh, we'll have some meetings in person. And if you're a mask, no mask, we have something for everybody. So everybody can calm down. This is a no judgment zone. And so it'll all be legal what we do. And so, uh, but we're gonna offer a mix of things for your comfort level. And so uh, we, we don't want you to be inhibited by uh, maybe um, you know, some uh, just safety precautions you have. So we'll be uh, emailing you, again, probably in the next week or two. And so again, if you wanna be Access VIP, sign up because there's a commitment sheet. You wanna make sure that you go through that. Uh, let me see what else I got on here for us today. We talked about last week, we have new website, new database, and again, to sign up, we really want you to participate in the database. I know it's not super exciting. It helps us organize the church. If you have not received an email from Laura Lee, uh, that's the best way for us to help you get signed up in the database. And so if, uh, if you want to email her, Laura Lee, L-A-U-R-A-L-E-E, one word, at go accesschurch.com. Email her, she'll get you set up. We want to personalize this and make sure you're ready to go we've had some people uh as far as our new giving platform uh how to do that that's on our website it walks you through that's like a minute and a half instructional basic we got you you're like i don't know anything about computers and mouses and worldwide web stuff and i get confused we walk you through because we love you all right you're with us and we're with you so go to our website walks you through how to um uh, give on the new giving platform and begin your, your uh, monthly giving there. Make sure you cancel PushPay. Uh, otherwise, uh, the church is double dipping. Now, we don't mind, but you will be uh, uh, given double. So just make sure if you want to cancel that on PushPay that you do that and sign up through that. Now, with our app, there's been a few people have been confused, and that's our fault. We have an old app that we never used to the company called PushPay. And it just wasn't functional for us. It didn't work. This new app we have is through Tidely, and it is rad. You're going to dig it, okay? But some of you downloaded the wrong app, and that's our fault. We apologize. Forgive us. You have to. The Bible says it. Boom, we're done, right? Now, here's what you want to do. When you search for our app, and Andrew, if I'm wrong, just rebuke me right here in front of everybody, but you want to search Tidely, T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y. You want to um, search Tithely Church app. And then click on that, and then that'll guide you through as far as picking the right church, which is Access Church. We also might go under um, another DBA called Access Riverside Ministries. So Access Church or Access Riverside Ministries, that'll get you our app, and it is sweet. So hopefully that helps out, and we're sorry about the confusion. Lastly, before we bring the worship team up, I'm really excited about this. Uh, I want to give you an update on Eric Martin. Uh, Many of you know who he is. If you don't know who he is, Eric has been battling like a beast against melanoma. And uh, not only has he been battling physically, emotionally, but spiritually. Uh, That guy's faith is amazing. Whenever I spend time with him, um, I'm encouraged by him even as he struggles and fights. And we've been praying for him. And he's loved on people in the midst of his journey, being exhausted and tired and just all these things. And so... I want to give you an update as far as it's getting real. It's already been real. It's, it's continuing to get real as he battles uh, for Eric, Shamika, Jeremy and Ethan and, uh, and we want to lift them up in a special way. And so he's doing some special procedures right now that they really need to work or the doctor said we got nothing else. And so we want to either be praying for that procedure to work. I forget, it's some kind of like technical proton shooting thing, all that kind of stuff. But just pray for that to work so the tumors shrink. That's the main thing. The tumors need to shrink. Or that God just does a miracle uh, and that God comforts them in a unique way. They're going through a lot as a family. So here's what we're going to do. Okay, check this out. Friday's going to be Martin Family Friday. Martin Family Friday, this next Friday. And here's what we're going to do is we are going to love on them one day in a powerful, special, concentrated way. First of all, Friday, let's be praying all day for them. Lift them up in prayer, lift their kids up, lift uh, the marriage up, lift them up spiritually, lift them up financially, lift them up in every way uh, that they would really see God work powerfully. And so I think it'd be cool for us to come together. Uh, Again, we're still doing the R12 prayer Monday through Friday. So maybe even join us on Friday morning at eight o'clock uh it'll be posted the link on our facebook group but join us but you can just be praying throughout the day the second thing we want to do is we want to inundate them with love inundate them not trickle we want to inundate them with love so on facebook you can look up eric martin if you're not friends and he'll make you a friend but just give him all kinds of love encouragement if you have maybe you're just a special verse for you or you just want to kind of Again, this is not advice. You're not being like, hey, go see this doctor. This is encouragement. This is love. This is, we're with you. This is uh, being just fans of them and just really um, making sure you're pumping them up. You can also uh, email Eric if you want something more private. Uh, I'll post his email, but if you uh, are listening right now, it's eric at stagefreemelanoma.org, eric at stagefreemelanoma.org. Also, you can send him a card. Maybe some of you are like, man, I'm old school. I want to do a card. I want to maybe put a gift certificate in there, or I just want to write a cool note. Uh, Their address is 30443. Do not visit them. You can send a card, but don't visit them. Send them a card. 30443 Napa Street in Menifee. Just that's Friday. Let's just concentrate and just let them know how much we love them. That family's meant so much to us. This is a great time to encourage them. I'll remind you on our Facebook group more about that that's not even the end of the service. we got a long ways to go. We're enjoying nature. We're having a good time. We have the Hanley family, at least part of the family. I don't think the kids are going to join us, but Ephraim and Ashley are going to lead us in some worship. So I'm going to pray, and they're going to magically appear. As you close your eyes, I'm going to leave, and they're going to be here and lead us in some worship. All right. So let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful day. We thank you that in the midst of everything crazy going on in our society, There is still beauty, that there is still in the midst of so many restrictions, there's still plenty of freedom and nothing, and no one can stop us from worshiping you, from studying your word, from connecting with you, from obeying you, and God, we get to get filled up today, and we know that you love to do that. You love to connect with us, you love to encourage us, you love to remind us, and most of all, you love it when we worship you. And so God, I just pray you'd fill our hearts this morning, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, and we ask this in your precious name, Jesus, amen. amen. Now before I get started here, some of you might be like, Brian, there's, there's, what's in your pocket? I'm just holding this for a friend. I don't need these, just holding it for a friend, purely aesthetic. My eyes are work great, um, so you might see me use that, but uh, it's just aesthetics, all right? I'm not getting any older, no big deal. So uh, just going to keep those right there in case I have a hard time. Uh, Let's get ready for today as we continue this. um, This series that we're in, I think it's an important series. Born to lose, but live to win. There's this reality that we experience as soon as we're born is that we're going to experience a lot of loss in life. It's inevitable, right? And you can feel defeated. And people easily do. In fact, we can feel defeated so much that it's, it's normal. And if you s- just stop for a second, and think about how many people in our world, depression, addiction, maybe behaviors that uh, they're enslaved to that they know is detrimental, but they can't stop it, right? All of these ism, alcoholism, or whatever it might be, right? It could be other things. Uh, these impulses that we don't know where they come from. And yeah, we're born with a sin nature, but also when we experience loss in life, if we never think about it, it can really, as we talked about last week, I encourage you, if you didn't hear the sermon, really start last week because we kind of you know, set the stage for uh, for where we're going. And so um, that it can overwhelm you or it can control you. If you don't work on loss, it can overwhelm you or control you from a young age to no matter how old you are. And so we're gonna continue to look at that to make sure that, especially as Christians, that we're to live a life where we're not overwhelmed by this world. Jesus says that, right? That he came to overcome. And so so we don't wanna live a life where we're overwhelmed. And as people see our lives as Christians, that they can see that no matter what's going on, that we overcome with Jesus and through Jesus, right? But there's a process to that. That doesn't just happen magically. Uh, And then also we can be controlled by it, uh, by these losses and the fears that these losses bring or the anger or the sadness, and then that can dictate and kind of control our life. And so rather than Jesus controlling our life, the word of God, rather than having peace, love, joy, hope, the Holy Spirit gives us, we read about it or we hear these sermons on it, but we leave church and we're controlled by these other things and that comes from loss. And it could be a variety of things small losses. It could be financial. It could be physical. It could be relational. It could be emotional. Maybe we lost stability as a child. Maybe we lost our childhood. We had one parent die and we had to become the adult. Maybe we um, had parents who were alcoholics. And so we lost stability. We lost security. One day they were happy and one day they were zoned out. And when you think about it, last week I asked you to, to do something that I did in counseling that I think is so powerful is sometimes we never stop and just assess, write down on a piece of paper all of our loss. I did it in counseling one time, and it's three pages that I filled out of just loss. And for me just to look at that saying, oh, maybe that's why the way I am. Maybe that's why I'm so messed up. And it's not the whole reason, but I need to take some time and, and allow God to do some, some healing, which is what we're going to be talking about today when it comes to born to lose, but live to win. I want to start off with this quote here. Loss is inevitable, but not final. Loss is painful, but not insurmountable. And loss is useful, even though it's not desirable. It's going to kind of set the stage for today. Loss is inevitable, but it's not final. Loss is painful, but it's not insurmountable. And loss is useful, even though it's not desirable. In 1984, without even knowing it, my mom was training me to handle loss. She was training me to embrace grief, even though I didn't get it. It was my second dad that I've been going through, and, uh, and this one, and eventually he would, looks like he was going to leave us, and they were going to have a divorce. Uh, he was wrapped up in incredible anger issues, uh, and that was taken out on the family. But I remember my mom would take us in, we lived at Fresno at the time, so there's, there's no beach, there's not a lot of places to go. So we're in Fresno, so you go to the airport. That's like the most exciting thing back then, is you watch planes take off and land. And, and I remember my mom at a young age just asking questions. How are you feeling? What did you see? And she would, I'm getting emotional already. But I, I didn't understand. But she was modeling this like, it's okay. It's okay to talk about. And again, she modeled it. I was really young at the time, but um, you know, then I had the teen years, and I didn't want any of that. And so it looked like she had no fruit. I don't know if you ever feel like that as a parent, right? You're, you're trying to invest. You're, trying, you're planting these seeds. You're like, there's no fruit. And then you get panicky, right? And God's just like, Settle. Just let this plant the seeds, the fruit will come, let the sunshine let the storms come and actually water the seeds and you think the storms are going to ruin the seeds but that actually is what helps to grow the seed into a mature plant And so through the teenage years my mom probably was like uh-oh but it always stuck in my mind so that way when the when the Holy Spirit grabbed me to follow Jesus at age 17, then I could begin to connect the dots of how my mom discipled me. you see, You gotta wait for God to grab your kid's heart. You don't grab your kid's heart, God has to. You plant the seeds, he grabs their heart, then it all makes sense what you were doing, if you were doing it in the right way as far as really discipling your kids, that's the goal. And so my mom was modeling this and and having us talk and, and, and introspection and interaction and all these things that help us to process grief, but also bringing God into it. I actually use this in counseling today where my mom would be like, well, what do you think about God right now? I use that question today as a pastor because my mom would say, well, what do you think about God? I'm like, huh, I don't, I don't know. Does it make you angry that he's allowing this? Or does it, just all these things were, were very profound. And it helped me because when God did grab my heart, I knew that there needed to be more healing because my mom started the process, but it didn't finish. And so then the teenage years, I go hog wild, off the deep end, no grieving. I'm just medicating through alcohol and violence and sports and just trying to feed on that. And then God grabs my heart and, uh, and I know, this is when I knew. So I don't know if you've experienced this, but so I started going to a really good church and they have small groups in these homes. And uh, so I show up and at first I'm like, I'm not gonna say anything. I'm just gonna look at these people. I'm gonna make sure they're not too weird, right? Because even though I'd grown up in the church, Christians were a little bit like, you kind of put up with them when you went to church, but I didn't want to hang out with them. I'd rather hang out with my non-Christian friends. I'm sure that doesn't happen at Access, but it happened for me. And uh, so when I came in, I didn't know how weird people were gonna be. And so uh, I'm in these groups and people are being real. And they're talking about things like that I struggle with. And and I remember that we were going around and the leader was having us talk about um, how we grew up and how we are impacted as far as by our faith. And, um, and what positively and what negatively impacted us. And so we're going around, and I think I was one of the last people because they're sharing, and I felt the pressure, have you ever felt this, where it's going around and you know it's coming towards you? and You're like, oh my gosh, how deep do I get? Do I want to share, do I want to share? What was crazy is people were getting real and raw, and I found myself wanting to share about my pain, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I might cry, and I don't know these people that well, and so the person before me, they were sharing, and I was like, I'm not going to share I'm not gonna share about my dads. I'm not going to share about my dads. It came to me, and I just shared everything about my dads. And I'm slobbering, snot's out. I'm crying. Hats on backwards because I'm trying to be this cool teenage dude. But I'm just letting it go, and it felt so good. It felt weird. But afterwards, like I got done, I'm like, oh, no. But they were so loving, so kind, and that got me on a journey where then I began to share with them. Then I began to seek counseling, and then God began to work it. And what I noticed is I opened up with people. I began to open up with God. And so God used people, and as I opened up with them, then he began to heal me as I opened up with him. And so I'm a big proponent of embracing grief, of learning to grieve. And this is something, again, that God models for us. Um, God, early on, what is it, Genesis chapter 6, we're six chapters in. Six chapters in the Bible, which, by the way, is about a 1,000 to 1,500 years, just so you know. Six chapters, a 1,000 years. A lot of things went on that we don't know about. Six chapters in, Genesis chapter 6, uh, it says that the Lord was sorry that he made people because they were so evil. Like from the time uh, when he first created Adam and Eve, and then because of that sin nature and what they did, and then just how evil things got, it said that it grieved his heart. God is a God who grieves. His heart actually breaks and we're made in his image and so we have to learn uh to grieve also um, we see it in scripture how pronounced it is check out how much of the bible is about grief and about loss and about processing that and about embracing it we have a whole book job i think it's 42 chapters one of the biggest books god puts it in there as far as look at yes you're gonna have loss and it's a freaky crazy story but it's one of those things of it helps that god wants us to to process it. He put it in the Bible so we can understand, yeah, we go through loss and how do we handle it? And how do we interact with God? And how do we interact with other people? It's a great book. I encourage you to read Job as we go through this series on grief, because we also see what not to do. His friends did some things that even God rebuked his friends being like, you guys are foolish. And so grief is not just for us personally, but how do we walk with other people? Because for some of us, we're like, it's just weird. Maybe I throw a Bible verse out to him and run away. You know, you kind of like throw it and just leave, right? And that's not always the most healthy thing to do. It doesn't help them. It doesn't help you. Uh, There's a book actually called Grief, Lamentations, to lament. So he just named the book, Lamentations, five chapters. It's in a period where God is disciplined. He's warned, by the way, when we read the Old Testament and we hear about God disciplining Israel, some of us think like, man, he was angry. Like, boy, like you just set God off if you do the wrong thing. Understand this, he'd been warning them for 500 years to stop worshiping other gods, stop sacrificing their children in a fire to other gods, stop trying to live like other nations. That's a pretty patient parent. I don't know about you, but if I tell my kid three times something, boom, I lose it, right? 500 years, stop doing this, stop doing this. I'm gonna discipline you. That's like a parent not just counting to 10, but counting to 500. You're giving your kid a lot of grace. They didn't listen So God followed through. He disciplined them. The book of Lamentations is about what about when you lose and it's because of maybe your own foolishness and God warned you that you're going to lose. If you continue to seek money and seek that job above going to church, above prioritizing a group, above prioritizing the word of God, you will lose a heart for God. And some of us grieved as far as we've lost that relationship with God because we pursued other loves or maybe we've been foolish financially. We're like, God, why you know, are why, why these bills? And God's like, uh, you always know that you have bills. He actually gives us a template of how to be generous, how to save, how to be humble with our money and not spend like everybody else. So sometimes we experience God's disciplines even amidst the warning. And Lamentations talks about how do you interact with God during that time? And what does God say to us when we lament and when we're sad? It's powerful. Five chapters, easy read. Do you realize that when you read Psalms, Uh, that it's 150 chapters 42 of those chapters are about grieving so what's that 40 42 divided by three carry the one for about a third yeah crowd life crowd is that about right my math's correct we're on lockdown so i have no math in me yeah about a third of the psalms and most of them are from david lamenting crying out to god so if you want to know like how do you grieve in a healthy way like how honest are you with god like when do you border on being honest with god and being bitter towards god anybody struggle with that Raise your hands on camera, live Anybody struggle with that? Yeah, about everybody here, right? When can you be honest, but now you're starting to get bitter? Psalms talks about that, 42 of the 150 books. God wants us to embrace this. He wants us to understand it. I encourage you with this. Embrace this series, whether you're going through something, big loss or small loss right now, or maybe you can help someone in the midst of their loss. And this is why. Learning to grieve in a healthy way, it equips us to avoid despair and self-pity. And that's really important. Despair is I'm sad and there's no hope. That's what despair is. I'm sad and there's no way out of this. There's no hope. I'll never be happy. Nothing matters, right? And that's despair and you might have moments of feeling that way but to live that way is very dangerous actually. And so grieving in a healthy way, embracing this process that we're gonna be talking about today, it helps us to avoid being a person. And some of us know that kind of person, or maybe some of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we're like, I am that person. Despair is a daily activity and something that almost is a part of my identity. Like, I don't know how not to have despair. And I don't know how you can be a Christian and constantly live. I'm not saying you don't have moments, but constantly live where life is all about despair, that there is no bright uh, future. That's just not, it's anti-scriptural. It's not who God is. And so this grieving process helps to make sure we don't become people of despair, but also of self-pity. Now, what is self-pity? Self-pity is is one of those things of where um, my focus is always on my wounds, my losses, and I view everything through that. So all my conversations dominate my own self-pity, my own loss. There's nothing else to talk about in life, and there's nothing else that I see in life. So even when God blesses me, I don't see it. All I see is what I've lost. And so the Bible talks about that healing is important because it helps us to understand that there's more that God's doing that even as we experience loss or hurt, he's actually blessing us in the midst of it. And sometimes we're missing it. Why? Because my eyes are on myself and my own loss. And it's not on looking around being like, whoa, he's blessing me amidst the pain and even the suffering. The second thing that it does is um, grieving well um, helps us to cut off bitterness at the root. Uh, bitterness, I think, is, is dangerous and it's vicious. And what bitterness is, is I'm hurting and I'm going to make sure you hurt too. That's what bitterness is. I'm hurting. I'm going to make sure you hurt. And it's dangerous. Basically, it's a, it's a violent way of dealing with your loss. I'm going to bring people down. And any of us that know someone like that, not a fun person to be around. And any of us that are like that, we know it's not a fun person to be. And it's impossible to really connect with God and people in any kind of meaningful relationship if we're bitter. So healing protects us from becoming bitter and being a bitter person. And lastly is as you grieve, it helps you then to have compassion and to help others through their grief. When you don't deal with your own grief, you usually do a poor job of helping others. You say things that are mean, or you say the wrong things, or you're talking too much, or you avoid it and you run away, and so you don't want to be around people that are grieving because you haven't dealt with your own stuff. And do you realize that the Bible talks about, 2 Corinthians says that God helps us in the midst of our suffering so that we can help others. So when you kind of dive in and walk through your sadness and your loss, then you can do that in a healthy way. And especially parents, a lot of us have been damaged growing up and if we don't work through our loss, we will be paranoid about our kids' loss and we won't be able to handle them well to disciple them through their loss and so they'll go through the same thing that we did. And so some of us that want to cut off that generational sin, I say this all the time, the best way to be a good parent is to work on yourself before you work on your kids. And Some of us want to work on our kids and we've never worked on ourselves and we wonder why the cycle of family sin keeps going down and the way we deal with loss, it keeps going down and our grandparents were in despair, we're in despair and we pass it on to our kids and they're in despair. Let's cut that off and God has a way for us. So, how to grieve well, Um, it's important. I wanna start off with this quote before we go into kind of the two things I wanna talk about and then we'll jump back into worship and kind of absorb into everything. Every loss is a wound that needs to heal. Every loss is a wound that needs to heal. Some are big wounds, some are small wounds, but they still need to heal. If you have a small scratch and you don't take care of it and just make sure that it's disinfected and make sure that it's taken care of, that little thing can turn into a big thing. Or sometimes we just have these big wounds that need immediate attention. Every loss is a wound to our soul, to our mind, to our heart. Let's just recognize that. But it's a process of addressing it Cleaning it repairing it so that you can live well through it even though you never forget it I love this quote check this out Every loss is a wound that needs to heal. It's the process of addressing it actually acknowledging that it's a loss cleaning it repairing it and Learning that you can live well through it Even though you'll never forget it So two things I just want to talk about today two things to kind of throw up to you, okay? First thing is this. First thing is make room to heal. Make room in your life when you experience loss, especially in a dramatic way, you've lost someone or you've lost something significant. Don't stay busy. Make room. Slow things down. Yeah, maybe cancel the kids going to eight practices in a week at seven years of age. Maybe they don't need that much sports. Yeah, maybe they, maybe you're going to not, you're going to work a little bit less and the budget's going to be a little bit tighter. But I'm telling you, tighten up the budget or your kid not getting that scholarship because at seven years of age, they're not eight practices. Slowing down a little bit will pay off in the long run. And I guarantee your kids will appreciate it. And actually, your work will appreciate if you actually heal and come back to work stronger and the wounds aren't there. Make room to heal. There's really three ways I encourage you to make room. One is with God. God wants to be invited into your losses because he's the one, just so you know, nothing or no one can fill loss like Jesus. This is huge. Even if it's a, you appear to fill it with other things that satisfy you at the moment. It'll always be a detriment in the long run because only Jesus brings true hope, healing and joy. Only Jesus. I'll die on that one. I don't care if you're like, I don't need Jesus. I'm listening to this right now. My life's happy you don't have real joy, it's counterfeit. It will at some point, that wound, it'll show. And so Jesus is the one, this is why he's so important. He made us, he created us, he knows how we work. Like no one else, he knows how we work. And so when there's a problem, right? Like if you have a problem with the car, you don't just go to anyone saying, yeah, go ahead and start fixing that thing. They can ruin it. You take it to someone that knows the vehicle. Jesus knows the vehicle. He wants to fill that loss with the right part in the right way, fix it so it works, and so the whole car works correctly. So don't be haphazard with your soul. Give it to the one who created you. Psalm 119, 28 through 29, the psalmist says this, My soul is weary with sorrow. Ever been there where you're, you're just exhausted with loss, right? It's one thing after another. Maybe uh, your kid moves out, right? It's the first one, it's like, oh! You feel that loss. But then at the same time, you lose your job, like within weeks. Have you noticed like when it rains, it pours kind of a thing? And then at the, and then a week later, the car breaks down. It's like, my kid's gone, my car's broken down. I don't, all these things. And, and you know where you just wake up and you already have a pit in your stomach? Like you wake up and the birds aren't chirping, you just, you wake up with that pit in your stomach because you don't know what the day's gonna bring, like what, what else you're gonna lose? This is what this guy was feeling. And he says, my soul is weary with sorrow. But look at what he says. Strengthen me according to your word. Strengthen me according to your words. Not strengthen me according to the words of others or my own words that go through my head or the words of songs of other people. Strengthen me according to your word. The word of God was given to strengthen us. Some of us are so anemic in life. We have no power. We have no punch. We have no no ability to persevere through any type of a loss. Why? Because we don't feed on the word of God. We eat of the world, and that's junk food. Junk food makes you feel good, but then you come down on the crash. The word of God is healthy for a soul to endure, to heal, to strengthen when we have loss. And so he says... In the midst of my soul, just being so heavy, me being so distraught, let me be strengthened through your word. And he prays this prayer, keep me from deceitful ways. Why? Because when we experience loss, we can get deceitful. Right? When we experience loss, we can begin to deceive ourselves or deceive other people. Hey, are you bummed? No, I'm good. That's deceitful. In any prayer, no, I'm good. We can deceive ourselves as far as I don't need to call that friend and go have a beer or go have a burger or go relax with them and just, I'm down. That's self-deception. And so he says, keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your word. I want to encourage you with this. God has something to give you, to say to you, and to change in you. I want to encourage you with this. Whenever you lose something or someone, God has something to give you, to say to you, but also to change within you. He never lets anything of a loss not be used for a gain in your life. Never. And so we have to trust them in the midst of loss. I remember um, when I lost my job, I was working HR in Carlsbad, making pretty good money. And the, uh, the company shut down and I lost my job. Now, this was right after I had kind of walked away from God. I quit ministry for a couple years. I've shared that story before. I won't go into it. But uh, God did some healing in me and I kind of came back to him and all was good. I was loving him and, and I was like, I'm back on fire for God. And God's like, are you really on fire for me? And I'm like, I'm really on fire for you. Okay, one month later, lose my job. And I remember just thinking as far as like, ooh, this is a test. Am I gonna get angry again? Am I gonna lose my faith again? Am I gonna stop going to church again? Am I gonna blame God? Like, God, you always rip the rug out from under me. I blame God for every loss. You know what's interesting too is I blame God for every loss, but I gave myself credit for every win. Isn't that funny how it works? We blame God for every loss, but every win, oh, that's us. And honestly, God's in control of both. Any wins we experience, we praise him. And in the midst of the losses, we praise him because we know that he will fill it with something or someone better or what we need. So we we can rejoice in the good. We can rejoice in the bad. And so I was tested. And I remember just being like, I'm not going to stop. I kept reading the Bible every day. I was writing worship songs at the time. like, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to write a worship song like I still have a job even though I don't have one. And I remember even like our tithing, we were giving to the church, right? Well, that had to change, and I started getting the unemployment checks. And I was like, I'm tithing off these bad boys. I'm not even going to stop tithing. I think it was only like five bucks a week. It it wasn't much. But I remember just in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm going to prove that my faith is genuine. Like, that was big. And so through that loss, God really changed me as far as I'm going to worship him, and I'm going to know him, not just in the wins in life and through the losses, and I'm going to live expectantly. So month one, I'm on fire, right? Month two, now I'm like, oh, I'm living expectantly. (laughs) I think I sent over 30 or 40 job applications. These are jobs I knew I had, like I had experience. I didn't even get a call back. And again, deception, does God really love me? Does God really care about me? Am I a born loser? I'm always gonna lose. God's always gonna rip it out. God blesses others, but he doesn't bless me. Those are all deceitful things. Have you thought those? And I had to battle those and the word of God protected me. No, Lord, even when I don't see you, I walk by what? Faith. Life crowd. I walk by what? Thank you. You can say it at home too. I walk by faith, not by sight. Well, that's great to sing it, but can you live it, right? And so I'm experiencing this loss. I'm stressed and I'm experiencing this loss of as far as just even stability within our family. Like we're getting boxes of food delivered to our house anonymously by people. And now we're literally surviving off that. Getting, we're getting worried. I'm like, does God really have this? And the church that I quit from, um, that I quit earlier when I kind of just left my faith and all that kind of stuff, um, I got a call of the blue saying, you know what? We're still a small church. We can't really afford you. But God laid it on one guy's heart who makes buku bucks. God just blesses them to make money. But he uses it for the kingdom of God. He found out what was going on. and goes, listen, I'll pay the first year's salary. We got the money. I'll pay it. And hopefully this church grows and you guys can afford it. And within a year, that church almost doubled. We moved into a new building and God continued to grow it, continued to bless. And I was so glad that I was faithful to God, not just in the wins, but in the losses, believing what couldn't be seen because he's a God who only he can fill our losses. This is real. We, let's just get real with this, right? Press into God, don't run away from from God. He has something to give you, something to say to you, and something to change within you. The second thing make room for is make room for friends. Now, actually, make room for the right friends. And here's what I mean by the right friends, because some of us, when we experience loss, we're like, well, now I'm going to find out who my real friends are. Well, that's not fair. There's some people that naturally can empathize and walk with you and are good listeners and say the right things, and there's others of us We're just not wired that way. We say dumb things. We put our foot in our mouth. We have good intentions. We have bad execution. We love you, but we just don't always know. And so it's not real friends. But but choose friends wise as far as make sure you surround yourself with friends that they're just good at empathy. They're good at listening. They're good at answering questions. And ones that aren't, you know, don't invite them out to coffee then expect them to change and all of a sudden learn to empathize. And so they're still friends, but choose your friends wise as far as making sure you're you're spending time. And here's the hard thing. This is what I want to encourage you with. Most of us don't know what the other person needs when they've experienced loss. It's very, very hard. And so what we can do is we can say, I expect them to know and then to follow through and to love on me. And usually those of us that are in that position, people don't do it well. And that's when then we pull away from people, we pull away from God, we become bitter. And everyone else is the enemy now because they didn't love me when I experienced my loss. And let me just say, that's not a healthy way to do it. Make space, you reach out to them. Can we get coffee? Choose the right ones but do you have a circle around you of people that can just help encourage you? They might not have any answers. They might not know what to say, but they can pray with you, they can listen, and they can say that they love you. And I'm talking men and women. Dudes are like, no, I don't want, you know. Oh man, we're too old for this. We're, We're not a movie, we're not Lone Rangers, and you're not that tough, okay? It's okay to reach out for another dude to reach out to another dude. In fact, that's healthy, that's manly. Your wife prefers that. You'll be a better man. So this is not just a woman thing. This is for men and women. Romans 12, 15 says, Christians, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That's actually a command. So if we know that someone's weeping, I hope we're a church that we don't have to have like a, a weeping ministry and sign people up and go and weep. Like, come on, we're Christians. How long have we been doing this? If the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart, reach out, text, weep with them. I don't know what to say. Just cry with them. Say nothing and just say, I love you, or let me just pray for you, but just be there. I hope we're a church that's the way. And we're commanded in Romans 12, 15, weep with those who weep. I hope that as a church, we cry well and we grieve well. I hope that. Because when you do that, you can actually then rejoice well. When you learn to weep well, you can then learn to rejoice well. Galatians 6.2 says, listen, church, share each other's burdens, and in this, we obey the law of Christ. If you want to know, like, how do I know if I obey Jesus? Galatians 6.2 says, share others' burdens. Share other burdens. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't mean own their burdens. It doesn't mean that if you have a family, you go over every night and spend time with them. But what you can say is make space for them, too. I can give you this night. I can give you this time. We can go Here. I sh- now, this is really important. Those of us that are burdened in life right now, some of you right now, like Brian, I got all kinds of burdens. I can share them with you. I can't own them for you because God has a lesson for you through this, not through, not through for me. Your burdens, He wants to teach you something. So I can share them with you. You can share them with me, but I can't own them. But God can carry the burden for you like no other. That's why you press into Him. But as friends, we can share that burden with one another. I want to encourage you with this: the holes that we dig in life, we dig holes, don't we? We dig holes relationally, financially, spiritually. I want to encourage you with this: we don't pull our, or we don't jump out of those holes and pull ourselves out. We're pulled out by other people. Reach your hand up. Let them reach down and let them pull you up because this is why when you know what that feels like, then you can look at someone else's that's in a hole and rather than judging them, they shouldn't spend their money that way. They should be stronger in their walk with God. It's their own fault that they're there, right? We get condemning and judgmental. Well, when you've been that person in the hole, you know how to reach down another hole and pick someone else up. So let others love you so that you can go love others well. And the last thing that I wanna encourage you with, and I don't have a Bible verse for this, I've just experienced this in my life is, When you go through loss, get mentored through it. Get mentored. Professional counseling, people that are wise, they've experienced what you've experienced, but they're further down the path. Uh, Pastoral help, leadership help, people that are older, people that, again, they've handled it well, but get mentored through it. And this is why instruction is as important as empathy. We live in a culture that is high empathy and very little wisdom. And here's the thing, empathy will comfort you, but it will not grow you. Empathy will comfort you, but it will not grow you. Empathy is good to put you in a place so that you can kind of calm down. So then the word of God and the people of God can speak clearly so you can grow through it. And I'm just speaking, pastorally. what I've seen over 27 years of ministry is people love the empathy, but they don't want the instruction. And we actually need both to grow. Some of us stay stuck in our losses and we, be, we begin to have self-pity and despair because we've had actually plenty of empathy. We've actually had plenty of people cry with us. We don't allow anybody to instruct us because we say, how dare you? You've never experienced what I've experienced and that's just not true. But Brian, we're snowflakes and no snowflake is designed exactly like us. That, that's actually not true. There's plenty of snowflakes that have been just like you. I'm not calling you a snowflake, so settle down, snowflake. I'm kidding. You you get what I'm, you know where I'm going with this? We like the empathy, we like the comfort, but do you realize that we actually want to grow from it, become stronger and better and wiser? And here's why is because God has something for us. And so we need to push into what that is. If you're not learning, you're not healing. If you're not learning, you're not healing. Learning and having comfort, you need both of those and to make space for both of those. And lastly, I just want to encourage you with this. And this is really the second point is um, embrace what and who God has next for you. Embrace what and who God has next for you. There needs to be a time where the grieving ends. Grieving is a part of life. It should not dominate our life. And what can happen is grieving can almost become a part of our identity, and we don't move on from it. And I want to encourage you that God actually wants us to have a point in time where it's like, it's done as far as I'm ready to move forward. Moving forward doesn't mean absolutely forgetting, but it means being able to live and move forward. And so we have to allow God to do that. There's a period of time where we need to embrace it, but there's also a period of time where we need to move on from it. In Deuteronomy 34, 7 through 8, Israel was grieving. They were losing Moses. Moses had been their only leader, right? He'd taken them out of slavery. The dude was an icon. He was it. There was no other like him. Have you had someone in your life like that? And all of a sudden it's like, he's going to die. Panic sets in. What are we going to do? Deuteronomy 34, 7 through 8, it says, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was strong as ever. The people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. And Joshua chapter one starts after that. You know, what he says in Joshua chapter one, fear not, have courage. Joshua is your leader. Move forward, move on from Moses. And that's hard to do. For some of us, it's hard to move on from loss. But God has a new land for you. He has new relationships. He has a new leader. Joshua turned out to be a phenomenal leader. He's actually stronger than Moses in some areas. But they had to, in a sense, now here's the thing notice he mandated 30 days of mourning. There's a period to grieve, and there's a period to move on. There's a period to cry, and there's a period to wipe off those tears saying, Today is the day to live now and to see what God has for me next or who he has for me next. And so there's a period to mourn, period to grieve. And so in Deuteronomy, we see that that's modeled in the Bible. Loss might end one chapter, but it's not the end of the book. I want to encourage you with that. Loss might end one chapter of your life, but it's not the end of the book. God had more for Israel than just Moses got a promised land. And God has more for you than you realize in whatever you've lost. I remember when I was a a youth pastor for about 12 years, we had a a woman, her name was Janet. Phenomenal youth leader. We were, uh, at the time we would do our youth ministry, we had about, I don't know, 15 leaders. And we'd go out to, I think it was Coco's. I don't know if Coco's is still open or not, but Coco's had amazing pie. Is Coco still open? Yeah, they are. Okay. So we needed to carbo-load after being with the youth, right? Because they exhausted us. So we go carbo-load on pies. And I remember hanging out with Janet. I'm like, Janet, you're a phenomenal leader. Like, the kids love her. Our girls group, the other women leaders were probably jealous because when we did signups, her group would have like 50 girls in it. And we'd have to say, like, you can't join her group. You know, we'd have to try to have other gr- because she was just so good. She took me through her life story, and she, I didn't know that she'd been divorced. And the husband just went off the deep end and um, cheated, all this stuff, but she told me how she took one year of her life and just did all this stuff, just grieved, cried. She had a few friends that she could trust not to say dumb things. <laughs> uh, she went to counseling. She read books, again, getting mentored through books. She just pressed into it. And she said that that was the best thing that she did as far as just Allowing God to speak to her and transform her, and though it was her husband's fault for the divorce, the guy just literally went on the deep end, there's some things God wanted to change in her to where her husband, if she was honest, was probably more of God than God was. She was a Christian, she went to church, but her husband was really everything. I think they were childhood sweethearts like before high school. And even though it's good to love your spouse, she realized that that inhibited her walk with God And so not only did God comfort her, but God grew her, and her walk with God just grew, and then she knew how to love others, and she goes, and that's why I'm a good youth leader, because I know what these girls are going through and what the road is ahead for them. I'm not thankful she got a divorce, but I'm thankful she allowed God to fill her loss and not going out and partying, not seeking a guy immediately to try to fill that void of I'm lonely, I just... She affected hundreds of girls, hundreds of girls because she allowed God to feel her loss and she realized that the end of one chapter is not the end of the book. I've experienced in this my life with my mom passing away. My mom was my go-to. When I got super stressed or things got out of control, I didn't talk, my mom and I didn't have that relationship like where we would talk weekly. My mom didn't wanna talk shallow things like, hey, how's the weather? Hey, how you doing? Is the weight up? Is the weight down? She could care less. My mom wanted to go deep. So when deep things happened, I went to her. And so when she passed away, I had no go-to person for those deep things. Like she and, man. But I grieved. And what was interesting is my sister kind of fell into that slot. My sister and I have been close for most of my life. But now my sister's that person that when things get deep, I go to her. And my sister's not my mom, obviously, but she's filled that gap pretty well for me. And if I would have just been like, I lost my mom, there's no other, how dare God, why did you do that? I would have never seen my sister. There's nobody like her. Nobody has her wisdom. Nobody has her. I would have missed my sister and my sister would have missed me. And though we had a relationship, God's like, here, I'm going to fill and we're going to take that relationship to the next level. My sister's one of my best friends now. So sis, if you're watching, I don't even know if I told you that, but you're one of my best friends and she's filled a loss in my life. Loss is going to happen but God can fill it and has something for you, something to say to you and something to change in you. The worship is about to come up and I just wanna end with this. We're reminded in John 16 where where Jesus is talking to the disciples like, hey, I'm gonna go. And I don't know if you remember, but the disciples are like, no, you can't go. this is a bummer. Like, you are everything. You are our Messiah. You are our rabbi. You are everything. We've left our families to spend three years with you. He's like, I'm going to leave. They're like, don't go. Have you ever been there where God's doing something? And you're like, no, don't take that away, God. No, not this. Don't take my health. Don't take that relationship. Don't take this church. Don't take that. We're going to move. You have loss and friends and neighbors. You're like, no. No. But here's what's interesting. We look back and we're like, well, of course he's got to go because the Holy Spirit's going to come. And that's even better because rather than God being with us, God is in us. But they couldn't understand in the midst of their loss. But God knew. And that's why Jesus is like, listen, listen, easy, Rambo. You're okay. The Holy Spirit, I'm not going to leave you and abandon you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, which is even better than having me. I want to encourage you with this. Yes, we should grieve loss. Yes, it's difficult. But trust, read the Bible, see over and over that God has something better if you allow yourself to process, to heal, to slow down so you can see clearly and so you can learn effectively and so you can grab a hold of what God has for you. You gotta let go of that past thing or that past person and free that hand up so you can take a hold of what God has for you next. For some of us, we need to begin the process with God, with friends or with mentors. And maybe that's what God has for you today. For others of us, maybe we need to embrace what's next. We keep holding on to what we've lost, even though it's not even in our hands. It's a figment of our imagination. Let's hold on to the real thing of what God has in front of us. So maybe for some of us, it's closing that chapter, but it's not ending the book and letting God continue to write the story. So Jesus, we come before you today as a people that are broken, as a people that lose, as a people that we know we're going to experience loss, but we're a people that never lose hope. We don't embrace self-pity. We don't embrace despair. We cry, we grieve, we share, but we know that you are so good at whatever we lose, you have something or someone even better, Lord. And that as one chapter ends in this endless book of our life, that these chapters never end, you have an eternity of story to write. We believe that you are the author and a good author and we trust you in what you have next for us. And so we worship you now. God, I pray that this could be a time of worship where we just heal, where we absorb, and we allow your word, as the psalmist said, to truly strengthen us. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff,